Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, October 19th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, state health officials continue to signal the state is on the brink of another upward swing in coronavirus cases. Then, since 2016, the rate of uninsured children in Mississippi has increased by one of the largest rates in the country. We examine why. Plus, one of the world's premier ballet competitions postpones its 2022 quadrennial event. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Coronavirus transmission is spiking in Mississippi, and health officials are reporting cases are growing fastest in older generations. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers says while transmission rates are in nursing homes, the majority of the transmission is within communities or families. When you look at the transmission dynamics that are occurring, we are still seeing cases um, in long-term care settings, and in some counties, We are starting to see the 65 and older as our fastest growing age group. Um, That data is posted on our website by county. Uh, We're also seeing some growth in the 50 to 64-year-old age group. That's concerning because we know that those individuals are at highest risk. When you look at our data for deaths and the age groups where um, most impacted by by, um, COVID-19, you see that most of those deaths do occur um, in folks uh, over the age of 50, over the age of 65. Um, so that's a concerning development. When you look overall statewide, however, our fastest growing population is now the five-year-old to 17-year-old age group, and that's the elementary school age group. So, you know, we are seeing outbreaks in long-term care settings. We are seeing outbreaks in some Uh, other congregate settings like correctional facilities, but we are also seeing a lot of transmission outside of those large outbreak settings. 
According to State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs, the state has the testing and tracing infrastructure in place to identify cases and stop the chain of transmission. But he also says Mississippians are ignoring one key piece of the puzzle. Even though we have full availability of testing and 100 percent contact tracing, we still have an explosion of cases. So what does that tell you is that we're missing a very critical piece. And that critical piece is the social distancing and the masking piece. And so we really, really need the public, businesses, churches, everyone to engage and understand the seriousness of our current situation and do those simple things, small groups, outdoors only. Indoor social events are what's driving the transmission of coronavirus in Mississippi. So we would advocate for for people not having indoor social events. Um, If you're going to do something, do it outdoors. Otherwise, would recommend not doing it at all. Um, Even if you're going out to eat, outdoors is safer. So we'd recommend outdoor or takeaway is a better way to go. But of course, we want to also advocate for maintaining that social distance, that minimum six feet. And we know masks are so important. So we'd like to strongly encourage everyone to continue mask utilization. With the rising cases and hospitalizations, the healthcare system is finding itself in a position similar to this summer. This surge, however, coinciding with flu season. Dobbs says the system is once again on the brink of being overwhelmed. One of the things that we're, we've been very concerned about is coronavirus overwhelming the healthcare system. And certainly as we go into this new surge of coronaviruses, coronavirus infection, and we're looking into the flu season uh, rapidly approaching, we are gravely concerned that healthcare resources are going to be overly taxed. We're going into this COVID growth phase with very little reserve capacity. So we will watch this very closely. We've been communicating with hospitals, trying to make sure that they understand where we are, the seriousness of the situation that may unfold over the next several weeks, especially as we see the rapid growth of cases in over 50 and over 65, because these are people who are more likely to be hospitalized. A statewide mask mandate that was issued in August expired at the end of September. The recent surge has occurred in the weeks following. Dobbs says that while he advises Governor Reeves, he also doesn't know the language and the details of the executive orders until they're announced. To be honest, I don't really know what the governor's going to do until it happens. And a lot of times I learn the details when we sit down together at the press conference. Um, I do know that, you know, Jackson, Harrison County, some other places that have high rates, um, if we did go back to that sort of approach, I think that they would be prime candidates uh, for that type of intervention. I, I sort of know what he's what he's thinking, obviously, but, um, you know, he, he, he makes a, a detailed a deep dive and looks at all the data. Um, and, you know, I, I suspect that from our conversations, there'll be some action that would be similar to what we've seen before. But sort of how that precisely plays out, um, I do not know just yet. The Department of Health reported 751 new cases of COVID-19 on Saturday. That brings the total number of cases since March to over 110,000. Sunday's report has been delayed. Coming up, since 2016, the rate of uninsured children in Mississippi has increased by one of the largest rates in the country. We examine why. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 
or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. A new study finds the number of children without health insurance in Mississippi is increasing at an alarming rate. Georgetown University Center for Children and Families estimates 46,000 children didn't have health coverage last year, a number that's risen 24 percent since 2016. Linda Dixon with the Mississippi Center for Justice tells our Desiree Frazier it's one of the largest jumps in the country. Mississippi's uninsured rate for children had one of the largest jumps in the country, moving from 4.8% in 2016 to 6.1% in 2019. An estimated 46,000 Mississippi children were uninsured last year, a number that has increased about 24% since 2016, according to the the report released by Georgetown University Center for Children and Families. Do you know what we're doing wrong? What's happening to cause this? You know, Mississippi's experience is part of a national trend that left an estimated 726,000 more children without health coverage nationwide. Uh, during that time period of 2016 to 2019. Much of the coverage gain of the Affordable Care Act for children have now been eliminated. Coverage losses have been concentrated in the South. Do we know why? Is it because um, the Affordable Care Act wasn't expanded in Mississippi? Thinking about your background, your experience, uh, in, in health and HIV and in, in children's health. Why are we seeing this? Well, you know, with the ongoing effects of the pandemic, I can say we know that kids and families in Mississippi need more support to get through these tough times. We can and must reverse this damaging trend to prevent long-term harm to children and families across Uh, Mississippi. We know that research shows uh, children with health coverage are more likely to graduate from high school, attend college, and grow up to be healthy and more productive um, adults. Now, this data proves that it's more important than ever to help Mississippi's children and families gain access to quality, affordable health coverage. So, you know, we must pursue efforts to expand Medicaid in Mississippi, enroll children and chip and address health disparities, which will go a long way to improving the lives of children and families across Mississippi. The Republican legislature has uh, the majority um, have not been willing to expand Medicaid. Reports like this highlight uh, Mississippi's need for health insurance coverage. Do you see being able to motivate the legislature to move in the direction of expanding Medicaid? You know, in Mississippi, it's estimated about 180,000 Mississippians um, 
would be eligible if our state expanded Medicaid. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of adults. And we know that um, it's been shown that when parents are covered, children will more likely be covered. Linda Dixon with the Mississippi Center for Justice with our Desiree Frazier. Coming up, one of the world's premier ballet competitions postpones its 2022 quadrennial event. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It's known as the Olympics of Ballet, and it calls Jackson, Mississippi home every four years. Since 1979, the USA International Ballet Competition has hosted hundreds of dancers from around the world competing in one of the most renowned events uh, the dance world offers. But due to complications caused by the coronavirus pandemic, sister competitions in Europe were canceled, and the scheduled 2022 competition in Jackson is being pushed back a year. Mona Nicholas, USA IBC's executive director, explains how the International Dance community came together to solve a unique problem. Our sister competitions are held in Helsinki, Finland, which was supposed to have been held um, this past summer in June. And we had a group going to attend the competition. We had about 20 ballet fans from around the country that were going to travel with the IBC to attend the Helsinki's competition uh, in June. We also uh, have a sister competition in Varna, Bulgaria, and in Moscow. And, of course, the the USA International Ballet Competition is held right here in Jackson. So um, we were on a Zoom call <laughs> talking about our schedule because the um, Finland competition and Varna competition had to postpone. And when we started discussing our dates, we realized that these three competitions were going to be held in the same year and within 30 days of each other. So that would have been a complete disaster for the, not only the dancers, because they'd have to make a choice of where they wanted to uh, attend, and also for our ticket buyers, because many people travel to these different uh, competitions, and also just to the directors of these large companies. They are going to scout and find dancers for their um, companies. So it would have been a scheduling nightmare. So we offered to postpone ours until the 2023, but we had to get board approval first. So when we explained the pros and the cons, of um, doing this, our board wholeheartedly agreed that it was the right decision. When you name major cities and big countries around the world, it is a little surprising to hear that in the United States, the competition wouldn't be in New York or Chicago or a major city, but Jackson, Mississippi. How is how is that? How did that come about? Well, we have Thalia Mara to thank for that. She was the founder of the IBC when she came to Jackson, Mississippi as the artistic director of um, 
of the Mississippi Ballet, she thought she knew of these competitions that were held around the world and you know there was not one in the United States and she thought Jackson because one thing she knew about Jackson was that they loved athleticism and they loved a competition and she had witnessed ballet studios emptying emptying out on the weekends and on Friday nights to go watch a football game. So she knew that if she could get a competition here, people would come. And these dancers are so athletic and they're the top of their at the top of their game. And um so she worked with the city leaders and you know, made it happen um to have the first competition, you know, held here in 1979 and had the whole city and the whole state, you know, rallying around her. And, of course, what won everybody over was the Southern hospitality, and it continues on today. Through our volunteers, they all we have over 600 volunteers helping us over the two weeks. And, you know, the, the one thing that they remember, and that's the Southern hospitality, and that truly is what sets us apart from the other competitions that are held around the world. Mona Nicholas is the Deputy Director of USA International Ballet Competition. We look forward to 2023 to see this competition in Jackson. Thank you so much, Mona. Thank you. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.